0: Welcome to the Post Sunday app. Uh, my name is Ben Davidson. This is Daniel Bennett, and we are here to talk about the sermon Post Sunday and the applications that would come from it. Uh, it was a fun Sunday to have Jordan Embry in the pulpit. Yeah. So I I love Jordan. Hmm? I just love
1: that guy so much. Um, he's like a little brother to me. Um, yeah. yeah. And and yesterday he was like a pastor to me. So I really hmm. appreciated. Yeah. They are probably very there are, he's, he is one of the most influential people in my life in terms of helping me think theologically about issues. Anytime I have a theological issue I want to think about, I'm like, "Hey, how would you articulate this?" Or um, here's here's a, I'm trying to draw a nuance between these two things. How would you do that? And, and I always appreciate mm-hmm. what he has to
0: yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our care group had a great great discussion afterwards about about the sermon and just how encouraging it was. Um, you know, when we see uh, a, a gathering of people whether it's a ball game or on the news maybe a gathering of people that are promoting something that's not a biblical thing you know how do we view these people yeah. you know, do we think oh, I you know these these people are so horrible yeah. you know versus having a, a righteous anger towards the sin being promoted yeah uh, which we discuss like how many times in my life have i actually experienced righteous right. anger right yeah. um but uh, a, a sadness, a compassion of, yeah. Oh, I'm so sad for these people. Yeah. You know, thank you sure. Lord and to pray for
1: them. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I like his illustration too of the, the deer shining, you know, the, the mm-hmm. light that kind of, um, helping us understand the old Testament's revelation of Jesus and how okay. things become more and more clear, the, the brighter the illumination gets as you get closer to Christ. I was like, Oh, that's a really, and then you kind of wove it in. Mm. Well, and then of course just the, um, it, 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 it segwayed so nicely and the application was so great just in terms of that hey, do we that this passion for the harvest mm. we're praying for that and what was the line he used who's that from Bunyan. Uh, Bunyan. yeah yeah Um
0: I, yeah, think I have yeah. it here yeah go ahead you can do more than pray after you have prayed but you cannot do more than pray until you good. have prayed
1: yeah that's good yeah yeah Glad I remember that
0: yeah and the rest of the quote goes on at least one source okay Pray often, for prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. Ooh, look so, at you! That's yeah, so nice. yeah,
1: good job. So, yeah, and look it up. The other thing I appreciate
0: about Jordan is
1: um, not only when I have a theological question, he can help me on some things, but um, just his passion for discipleship. Like theology isn't just this cold mm-hmm. thing that he, you know, that you keep on the shelf. Sure. And you get passionate about the theology. It's it's this relationship with the Lord that mm-hmm. that. Flows into his discipleship with other people. And yeah, I just really yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I saw myself, I was like, you know, I could, I could, uh, this guy could be my pastor and I'd be mm-hmm. pretty happy on us Sunday morning. Yeah. And
0: throughout the week. Yeah. Well, and then as, as we announced uh, or reiterated, did we re- reiterate it? We as did yesterday. Yeah, Mike mentioned it. Maybe. Yeah, Mike mentioned that, you know, he is uh, being reviewed right now by a team yeah. of folks from Bethany. Yeah. And so that might he be a person that, yeah. Would, you know, yeah, so pastor.
1: he's still praying through that, and our church is still praying through that. And so the Lord may say no, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I, I certainly hope that the Lord
0: continues to, to bless this process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now let me—he did get some questions though. Yeah, um, because he was talking about emotions. Yeah. So yeah, just a small thing, right? right? Yeah, to, to bring up, and that's
1: that's what I love um, about Jordan too. Like you're never gonna. Uh, have a situation where you're bored with what he's saying. You know, he's always going to make, oh, is that the right And yeah, and yeah so it was, it was really good. Yeah, Some some really good uh, questions came out of this. And it actually, I was up quite late uh, just reading through some some things mm-hmm. just because he kind of had my brain thinking about some stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so someone came up to me after this, multiple people, but the first person that came up to me after the sermon said, um, hey, is that what we teach? Do we teach impassibility? This idea that God is without passion. I said yes, we do, um, and they said no. Jesus, God doesn't have emotions, and, and I, I can't remember exactly how I worded it, but I said yeah, you know, check. Uh, do you have a systematic theology? She said yeah, I have a, a Grudem. I said yeah, go go read Grudem. I'm sure Grudem explains mm-hmm. this. And so she texted me later. She said yeah, Grudem doesn't, Grudem denies impassibility. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that that's a surprise to me. And I did a little research. In his first edition of his systematic theology, he did deny it. In his most recent edition of his Systematic Theology, he affirms it again. Mm, Okay, And even in the first edition, I think he kind of like says, okay, here's what we're trying to do with impassibility. Then I looked up our teaching statement. Mm -hmm. And I found in our teaching statement, we talk about God's unchangeableness. We affirm that. And then there's a section where we talk about man being made in the image of God. And we talk about how man uh, is made in the image of God. So like God, he has a, a, a mind... Uh, let's see a, a mind, a will, and emotion. emotion. And I'm like, oh, well, that mm. did not. Now, I I wrote the teachings. You, you found out. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I wrote, found out that I wrote that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm sure I was very influenced by Grudem, mm. and I didn't think for some language. Um, Then I also found out that I wrote a book. but <laughs> the title was? Passion, passion for, for the, the Fatherless passion. about or and kind of drawing on God's uh, delight in the orphan in our. So I'm like, huh. Um, there's some nuance of language mm-hmm. I, I probably should have thought through um, yeah. on, on some of those things. Also, this, uh, in a few weeks, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel 15, God tells Samuel, I regret, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And then later in the chapter, um, we read that um, Samuel says that God... The, the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he's not a man that he should have regret. Mm. It's like, well, does he have regret or not regret? And you say, okay, that there is some anthropomorphic language that's used to describe God. And uh, I, I think one of the main things, as, as I was thinking about what do, we, what do we communicate, I think one of the main things that we want to communicate when we say that God is impassable, we mean that, that God is... Isn't subject to passions, and, and we think of passions as, as there's external things that cause us to 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 have these emotional swings. Like when we say mm-hmm. we use that word emotion, a lot of times what we mean is uh, someone whose whose feelings are in flux. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the um, I mean, emotion has the word motion in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so so that's historically been kind of this idea that there's this inner feeling that fluctuates. So if I if I said Ben, you're being so emotional. I'm I'm not using it as a compliment normally. I'm saying you're not being stable. And God is perfectly stable. Um, And and the reason he has to be stable is because if he were to change, it would mean he was either changing and getting better or he was changing and getting worse. Mm. And so right now he he is his absolute, total perfection. And he can't respond to external stimuli or whatever because... He he can't we, we can't make him better than he is we can't make it worse he's he's perfect God and all he's God in all his perfections and holiness yeah. so I don't know does that make does that start off with... I think you're you're yeah. doing well so far yeah yeah you got more though I oh I got more yeah, um, yeah. go for it because go I think it. some I of the some of the language can be kind of confusing and and uh, in fact i read this is from the book uh, Reformed Systematic Theology by Joel Beakey and uh, Paul Smalley and really recommend this this series of systematic theology. There's gonna be four volumes, there's three right now. Mm-hmm. But he has a chapter where he talks about impassibility. He has multiple chapters where he talks about impassibility and then he talks about it in chapter 43 in relationship to God's moral excellence. And he quotes John Gill, uh, who was a, a particular Baptist theologian. And he says, um, quoting John Gill, John Gill writes that, that spirits resemble God and that they are endowed with understanding, will, and affections. So that's basically what we say in our teaching statement, Mm -hmm. except he replaces that word emotion with the word affection. And that has historically, I think, been a a better word to use than the word emotion. And uh, because it captures this idea that that God isn't some stoic being that doesn't really have love or mercy or or whatever, but it, it also captures this idea that God isn't changing. So he doesn't have more love one time and less love at another time. He's always mm-hmm. perfectly fullness in, in his love. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we can think of it too is, uh, God never changes, but the way we experience God can change based mm-hmm. upon where we are positionally. Mm-hmm. So God is always gonna be fully loving but if I'm a, a child of wrath, I'm not going to experience that love. So God doesn't change from being wrathful to loving, but I, what I experience of God changes a little bit.
0: You, you had an analogy you used as well, right? Yeah. my My brief example was if 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 you were to backhand me right now, yeah, um, I would on. be <laughs> I'd be angry with okay, you. Yeah? I wouldn't say that I would have a lot of compassion towards you in my immediate response to you or yeah. or love for you. I'd be really angry, right? Where yeah. God is. I am, he is, uh, he doesn't fluctuate like I would. Yeah. He is everything all the time. Yeah. So Good. that's yeah. my 22nd yeah, yeah. version. Yeah.
1: Um, Biki gives this introduction to this idea of God's impassibility. He says, it, um, you know, does God have emotions, affections? And he says, it might surprise a reader to even ask a question like that because the Bible uses vocabulary of affection. In fact, I was reading an article last night by Kevin DeYoung he says that he has a woman in his church who will ask him. Mul- has asked him multiple times. Does God have emotions? Mm. And he won't give her. A, he says, "I'm not going to give her a straight answer because mm. what she means by that can change a little bit. Again, we're, mm. we're changing. Yeah. So here's 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 what he says: If we make an unqualified statement that yes, God has affections, then we may give the impression that people have the power to disturb God, to make him happier than he was, or even to provoke him to do something he might mm. regret. And such a God would not be the immutable rock made known in Scripture, but as unstable as water, someone on whom we could not depend. So we need God to be stable. But if we say no, God doesn't have affection without further qualification, then we may give the impression that God is cold, remote, uncaring, and nothing like the God of the Bible. Even if our intent is to sustain the doctrine of God's immutability, we could undermine his love and personality. Mm. Now, good. now, maybe that's all people need, and if that's all you need, See you next week. But um, let me dive a little bit deeper into this because so many people had, had questions. Okay. Um, one thing, that I, before I dive into some different ways to, to have a perspective on this, one thing I think to keep in mind is that oftentimes we're really shaped by our culture. So a lot of the vocabulary from the 17th century was responding against the heresy of Socianism. And so that's going to affect a lot of the, the language that, that affected here. Yeah. But even in our culture, like the idea that God wouldn't be emotional like us, is really yeah we don't like that idea right yeah. So I think that's mm-hmm. part of people's pushback. So but he goes on, and he gives um, he gives five different ways to perceive God's affections. He says one, uh, in the in the first perspective, we get rid of God's sovereignty and His immutability in favor of asserting his sensitive, suffering, and affectionate love. So that's this uh, heresy we'd call process theology. And that's this this denial that God is creator and Lord. So they say, yeah, God has affections and passions, and he's changeable, he's not sovereign. And of course, mm-hmm. we'd reject that. Yeah. A second perspective is to say, well, God's affections are real, but and they're not sovereign or immutable and this would be the, the heresy of uh, open theism, where God is a changing God. God doesn't know the future perfectly and things like that. And mm-hmm. so his emotions change, his knowledge changes, and he's got like, kind of like the big contours of redemptive history down, but, but you may do something tomorrow that God's like, oh, I didn't know that was mm-hmm. gonna happen. And so okay. we'd reject that. Right. I'd reject
0: Yes. Okay. With
1: so we're now oh, yeah. re- we reject those first two. And then in the third perspective, uh, of God's affections, he say, well, the affections are real and sovereign, but not immutable. So his being remains immutable. His will stands supreme over all. But his personal life involves changing emotional states in response to his creation as it changes according to his foreordained plan. Mm-hmm. So BK says this, this is a notable shift in the understanding of God represented by the, by the tradition, the historical tradition. It could imply a temporal God, which we do not believe squares with the biblical teaching on divine eternity. It can imply a bimodal God who has an absolute, eternal, immutable life, but who, since the creation of the world, also gained a relative temporal changing life. So again, that, I think that's problematic in this idea that God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Then you gives a fourth perspective. In this fourth perspective, uh, God's sovereignty and immutability are taken to imply that he doesn't have affections. So this just says God doesn't have affections. Now, people who take this this view would would nuance it. Um, and again, I think as you think about people who've had this view, they're often talking about just this idea that God doesn't have passions. Um, and John Owen would potentially be under this this view, but even as you read John Owen, the way he nuances what he's saying and not saying, he's, he's not denying that God loves us. He's not denying that God is um, a, a, a God who, who has, who has affections in some senses, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I think a lot of what that fourth view would say is that they take a lot of God's language about his affections and anthropomorphize it, say, well, that's just like God having an ear. It's describing something real but the real thing is describing aren't affections. And then the fifth perspective. Okay. Um, hi, hi, I'm talking a lot, sorry. i um, holding on. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Keep going. And then the, the fifth perspective would be, uh, this is what Beakey advocates. He says, we propose that Christians should affirm God's affections in a manner suitable to his absolute sovereignty and immutability. Uh, Richard Muller writes of Reformed Orthodoxy. The exclusion of passions from the divine being never implied the absence of affections. Uh, then quote someone else here, God's good affections, which in human beings are passions, uh, saying that they are nothing other than God's ardent will towards us and its power and effect in creatures. Um, Edward Lee says, under God's will are comprehended affections, which are diverse motions of his will, not not sudden and vehement uh, perturbations of God as they are in man, uh, being perturbed. Okay. Um, They're constant, fixed, tranquil, and eternal acts and inclinations of the will. Um, So not only did Lee ascribe affection to God, but he said in a sense, his affections are greater and more stable than ours. So again, what we're trying, he says, the advantage of retaining, this is beaky, the advantage of retaining the term affections is that when we reflect the language of the Holy Scriptures for God's moral perfections, love is, oh, sorry, if we retain the word affections we then reflect the language of the holy scriptures for god's moral perfections love joy hatred wrath pity and so forth we avoid giving the false impression that god is impersonal and aloof from relationships which no christian theologian desires to communicate so that's the longer version here so again the idea is we want to protect against this idea that god fluctuates But we want to affirm that God has affection, like He's Mm -hmm. He's perfect
0: love, He's perfect wrath, He's He's perfect whatever fill Mm in the blank. Right. So if our teaching statement says emotions, if we would say, well, by emotions we mean affections, yeah, then we could leave it that way. Yeah. But maybe to be more precise, would you say it needs to say affections instead of emotions?
1: Well, yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean. But if I say yes, I'm violating the teaching statement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. I think, Words have meaning. Right? Yeah, You've yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So I, yeah. I I, would talk to the elders about this. But I I think affections would be a better word than, for sure, yeah. a better word than emotions. Because, and he, he talks in this chapter about how notoriously difficult it is to define the word emotion. Right. So if you mean emotion by this idea that God is is changing and sometimes yeah. he's happy, flexuate. sometimes he's yeah, fluctuating. Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, let's, let's go. But if you mean like um, God loves me uh, and you recognize that we're using human words to accommodate a divine being, then yeah, you can say those things with truth because scripture does. Okay, and if right. scripture is using those words to help us understand something about the character of God, mm-hmm. those are true things about God. It's right. not the fullness right. of our knowledge of God, but it's, it's true knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not the fullness of all knowledge about God. It's full of our knowledge, but it's not the fullness of knowledge true. about God. And it's true knowledge, just not complete knowledge. Yeah. There's a theological term that I just can't remember what phrase
0: yeah. to describe that yeah. discrepancy is. You really enjoyed reading into this. How late were you up? Uh, doesn't uh, maybe two. <laughs> really late? I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: Enjoyed is a strong word. Did I have the motion of delight? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do love thinking about God and. And there's, you know, you just kind of get into this, this, uh, rut sometimes of thinking, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And then someone has a sermon and the light hits you. The light hits you. You're like, Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. If I'm saying God is unchangeable and I use this word emotions, if I don't, and sometimes we just don't define our words. And so if Mm -hmm. if we're not very careful, what does emotions mean? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, it's become a more modern term. Mm -hmm. And so you don't see people wrestling with that word as much in, in previous generations. And yeah. so, yeah, you the, the modern cycle, psycho- psychologization of,
0: of the self and
1: mm.
0: yeah. Yeah. Emotions are keen. Right. Right. So right. yeah. How you feeling? I'm good. 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 I think this is helpful. And, and, uh, I think once this is, uh, on social media, I have to go back and watch it again to make sure I grasp, grasp everything. There's well, a, lot of, a lot of depth. Yeah, that. or just read the book. You know, it's, he's going to describe it a
1: lot better than than I did. And um, yeah, there, there's some a lot there. Yeah, yeah. I think those fourth and fifth perspectives are pretty close to one another. We're just going to nuance some things differently. Yeah. Uh, Sounds good.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Daniel. Anything else we need to say? So, um, well, let's see. First Samuel. Yeah, we're going, going back to First Samuel. Samuel. Will we get to the uh, chapters on where he's got some no, regret? No, we're um, gonna a little further Yeah,
1: up. we're gonna deal with uh, Samuel completing his ministry
0: last week, will So people can read up on that and just talk about finishing well. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Well thanks Daniel. Yeah. Thank thanks. you too for tuning in the post Sunday app. Have a great rest of your day.